Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matters. All right. Good morning, everybody. You are listening to Mortgage Matters on our new and improved time slot. That's right. Mortgage Matters is now this Saturday and every Saturday is following Motor Mouths. So for those of you who are listening to the Motor Mouths show, I know I was as I drove in. Picked up a lot of great tips from the guys. Thanks a lot for the show. Um, hope that you stick with us. We've got two action-packed hours for you coming up um for those of you i I feel like since we're in this new time slot uh something of an introduction is still warranted um to uh hopefully keep some of those listeners interested and keep them tuned into this station um this show uh has been on now going on seven years something like that i've been here about five and a half or something like that. yeah that's right we went through a couple of engineers before we Settled we on the really good one. Settled. Oh, man. We <laughs> struck gold when we found you. Um, so, yeah, our Mor- Mortgage Matters has been on for almost seven years now. Um, the The whole premise of the show is to be a resource for for you, the listeners um, in the San Luis Obispo community, and for anyone who's you know listening online. Uh, I think a lot of the things we talk about can be applied to communities outside of San Luis Obispo. Um, but what we do is we, we talk about what's going on in the the world of real estate, um, and and we also touch on some of the economic issues that impact real estate. So those are the things that we talk about on this show. We also like to bring in um, guests for the second hour of our show, local experts in their field, whether they're real estate agents, title experts, um, folks who work on houses, you know, whether roofers, window experts. There's so many different facets of housing. We like to bring those experts in and join us on the radio for that second hour. Um, so today we have a guest who's going to be joining us from Remax Parkside up in Paso Robles. That's correct. Um, it's Alicia DeGrazia. DeGrazia. There we go. Um, that friendly voice that you're hearing, uh, that is Will Barnaby filling in for Jason Grody today. Hello, Dan. How are you? I'm good. I'm just, uh, just getting settled in. I was a little late, still getting used to the time change myself. You're actually in Jason's chair today. I'm That's in his chair. I'm uh, wow. about as on time as he is. Yeah, so I'm really I, filling I the role like, well. I, I was like, Will is here. And we're like, uh, Dan, <laughs> Dan, showtime. Yeah. yeah. And I rolled up about two minutes before. So I thought I was the one that was going to be late. Yeah. I was I was watching the clock. I was listening. I, I knew I had a little bit of time. But yeah. Um, so anyways, that's that's kind of the premise of Mortgage Matters. We're we're live here and we're, we try to be here um you know, as often as we can. I think we maybe take five, five to ten shows a year off um, for various reasons. But we try to present live information for you each week. Talk about the week that was and how it impacted uh, real estate and mortgages, so that you can go out next week and make smart financial decisions for yourself. Um, of course, uh, we hope that you find this resource useful, and uh, when you are ready to engage in a mortgage transaction that you'll consider Central Coast Lending um, when you're shopping for your mortgage. That's our business. That's what we do. That's how we pay these bills and uh, pay for this time on the radio. 
Um, we also have some help from some wonderful sponsors who we will get to momentarily. Um, but first, how was your week, Will? My week was great. How was yours? It was pretty good. Um, seemed kind of uh, kind of slow from a news standpoint, from my opinion. I know there was there's some overseas type news um, that we'll talk about here, but news wise, it seemed kind of slow. Um, Work wise, seemed kind of hectic and busy. Um, possibly <laughs> because Jason's gone and. He dumped all of his work on us. Well, you know, you'll, you'll have that occasionally. <laughs> Got to throw him under the bus while what's he's not he here at, to What's he out? Himself. Fishing or something? Yeah. Um, yeah, Jason's out fishing in Alaska. Um, it's a trip that he's done a couple of times. Um, sounds like a lot of fun. Jason's a big fisherman. You know, he, he goes out here locally a lot. And uh, when given the opportunity to go do some some big-time fishing up in Alaska, he jumped at it. So, um He'll be back next week, and uh, one of the I, – I wouldn't let him go on vacation without giving him a homework assignment. And um, what I'm really interested to hear is what real estate in Alaska looks like. Because last week we had someone call in and share a story about um, real estate in Nevada and prices, price per square foot. We started to talk a little bit about that and how it compared with San Luis Obispo County. Um, and then we talked about San Francisco – which came out with a big story last week that their median home price up in San Francisco was a million dollars for the first time ever. Yeah, I, I saw <laughs> some news stories on that. There was actually protests about that. A lot of it has to do with the tech companies that are coming in. and Yeah, a lot of those dot-comers are coming in and buying up the blighted areas and you know improving them. Yeah, and they were really upset about a bus. I'm not sure exactly. A bus? Yeah, there was some special bus for one of the companies that, uh, that they really seem to have a hard time oh. with. They're like busing people down to the Silicon Valley. I guess so. I guess so. Hmm. But yeah, they're definitely driving the people that have lived there out of the market by raising the values of some of those areas. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, I'm not discounting that in any way. I just only caught part of the story about yeah. the bus. So yeah, last week we talked, I mean, real estate is, is local. It's a, it's a cliche for a reason because it's true. Um, and last week we had a great conversation going highlighting just some some different areas and and how much different the you know the real estate landscape can look in these different areas so when jason comes back from vacation we'll see if he did his homework mm -hmm. um i hope so i always i always like to see get these snapshots of what's going on in areas that are well outside of ours just just to kind of put things into perspective i think it's helpful i think so too i went back to tennessee and uh, I don't know how they build houses as cheaply as they sell them. What? So talk a little bit about that. What, what well, does a home I mean, in Tennessee sell for? You could get a couple acres and a 3,000-square-foot house, and you might start to push 200000 maybe. I'm surprised that you even used a six-figure number, to be honest. I was, <laughs> I was prepared for 30000 No, no. <laughs> you know, but the average home price was probably somewhere in the 80000 range. I mean, wow. it really was. But, uh, I mean, you could buy a really nice property over there. For, you know, half of what you could buy, you know, an entry-level home for here, easy. Is that like uh, out in the boonies or like near a major city or? Well, they call it the Tri-Cities area. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that I could identify a single city, but they call it the Tri-Cities area. Is Nashville one of the Tri-Cities? No, Johnson, Johnson City. Mm -hmm. um, the yeah. place where they have uh, the major NASCAR race, what's the name of that town? Bristol, is that right? 
That's in Connecticut. That's, that's where the they do Sports one. Center. That's the wrong one. Uh, but anyway, it's a little area out there. I mean, it's a it's a relatively large populated area for Tennessee, even though it's spread out and sparsely populated compared to California. But yeah, the home prices were incredibly different. And incredibly what kind different. of square foot? When you talk about like an eighty thousand dollars sales price, what kind of square footage are we talking 1500? about? Fifteen hundred. So fifty bucks a square foot, roughly. Yeah, something along those lines. It was kind of surprising. Wow. I don't know how they were building new properties and making money on it. Is you know wow. a major portion of it. Granted, I would assume that the the fees that they're paying to the the cities and the counties were probably substantially less, and the dirt is obviously worth a lot less, but. Yeah, it was it was it was eye opening how cheap it was there. Yeah, that that is shocking because I mean across the country you've are materials different, you know, buying wood in California versus wood in Tennessee. I I can't imagine that it's that much different. I I really don't think it is either. I wonder what the average like wage is in that area. Oh, it's got to be a lot, a lot lower. A lot lower. And then the climate, of course, that does come into play too. Sure, th- those things affect uh, affect desirability, and and that will affect price. But I, I think from a construction standpoint, building standpoint, yeah, I I, I too wonder how are you able to build it. for fifty dollars a square foot? I understand land's cheaper, and that's going to impact that cost per square foot. But we're here in San Luis Obispo County, and. I would venture to guess that most of the entry level housing here, entry level, right around three hundred dollars a square foot. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the going rate. You might be able to find stuff a little bit cheaper, and you're including and, land in that. I mean, usually, yeah, yeah. Usually, talking, build cost is what a buck fifty, hundred fifty ish. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The build, the build itself is generally accepted to be between a one fifty to two hundred a square foot here in this county. Um, and to hear that things are being built in Tennessee, but that's including land as well, not just build. Yeah, no, that's what's $50 actually fifty dollars a yeah, square you, foot. You, know, you pick incredible. up the real estate magazines, and this is what you see. It's 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 pretty impressive. Or, I don't know if impressive is the right word. I'm somewhat confused on how they get new houses built. To be honest with you, or even if they are, to be honest, I don't really recall much new construction that wasn't commercial related. I did see a gas station being built and, you know, some things along those lines, but not a lot of residential stuff being built. Hmm. Yeah. Are they a, prefab? Oh, no. No, Stick most of a lot. Yeah, and a lot of them are actual brick. You know, you don't see a lot of that in California. It's definitely a different build style. And the building codes, you can tell, are, are way, way different. A little less restrictive. <laughs> <laughs> a little less restrictive. The the uh, more customization. I, I I believe so. And you know, there were garages that were right on the road. You're like, eh, can that really be safe? <laughs> there there were certain rooms of the house that you know I don't know that I would actually ever sleep in. I think I'd want to be fully awake and aware if I was going to step into that room with the cars that were driving right. by. But, you know, in, in all honesty, it's a, it was a beautiful place. I mean, I went there once in, in the wintertime, and uh, there were no tree, there were no leaves on the trees. It looked like a, a giant forest of sticks. <laughs> and then uh, I went back there in the spring, and it was, it was gorgeous. It was definitely one of the prettiest places I've been. Granted, in the wintertime, it, it was right up there on one of the less pretty places I've ever seen. It was it was pretty barren looking at that particular point in time. Looks like that dust bowl area as you're heading up I-5. No, no well, it just Where looks... the trees are just, like, blown over. <laughs> it's not quite like that. <laughs> Damn you, it's... Pelosi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Some of I-5 looks like the dark side of the moon. <laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> 
So yeah, I, I find this stuff really interesting. You know, I, I find it interesting to see what's going on in Tennessee, what's going on in Alaska, what you know, Nevada. We learned last week, um, price per square foot. At least this anecdotal story was a hundred dollars a square foot, and comparing it to our county, three hundred dollars a square foot and up. You know, three hundred to five hundred dollars a square foot for housing here. San Francisco, over a thousand dollars a square foot. I mean, they're talking about a million dollar median price for an eight hundred square foot home. Yeah, and we're talking twelve hundred dollars a square foot. It's just incredible how much real estate can vary. I mean, we we still use basically the same principles of construction. Yes. Um, you know, the houses are generally constructed in the same manner, yet simply because of the area that they're in, the values can can change so wildly. Yeah, but every time I start to get down about it, I just remember playing golf in shorts in December, and I move on. Right? It's all worth it. Yeah, absolutely. It's all worth it. Absolutely. Um, well, hey, that's a great little warm-up for uh, for the two-hour show that we have. I'm, I'm excited to be here with you, Will. Um, my my name's Dan Podesto, for those of you who are new to the show and, and wondering who I am since I didn't say my name earlier. Both Will and I work uh, during the week at Central Coast Lending. Um, it's a locally owned mortgage company and uh, hope that you enjoy the show today. We're going to take a quick break here, um, introduce you to our sponsors. Uh, Patterson Realty is a great local real estate company. If you're needing to buy or sell real estate, I recommend that you uh, maybe reach out to the the professionals at Patterson Realty. We've also got State Farm Insurance, Susan Rodriguez. She's a, a local agent here in San Luis Obispo with an office on Broad Street. I use her personally for my insurance. I find her knowledge uh, to be so helpful in the insurance world, and uh, her office is easy to work with. And then we've got Blakesley and Blakesley. They are uh, wealth managers, money managers here in San Luis with an office on the corner of Santa Rosa and Marsh. And uh, Craig Darnell, he's a Wonderful guy. He manages our company, Ira, and uh, I, I thank him so much because it's just growing, and, and I know it's all because of him. So thanks, Craig. Uh, stick with us. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm A few hundred unexpected bucks I couldn't ask for more But now I've got to figure out What I should use it for A new bike would be radical But maybe something practical Like a pet baboon with one robotic arm Get to a better state State Farm Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you refinance your home or investment property. Lower your rate, shorten your loan term, or get out of your mortgage insurance. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your host, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you weren't awake before, you are now. I tell you, you just cannot beat Ozzy from uh, <laughs> the Randy Rhodes days. Once yeah. my hook is we're getting everybody all aboard for this new 9 o'clock hour. There we go. There crazy we train. It's going to be go. a crazy train 9 o'clock There's hour. always purpose to uh, the music selection. It's not just not just haphazard here. There's Everything's got a purpose on Mortgage Matters. Thanks for being with us this morning. Um, it's Dan and Will, not Dan and Jason. Uh, Jason's off fishing in Alaska. Will Barnaby is a very capable replacement. So uh, I certainly hope he brings us back some fish. <laughs> he better. He better. Another one of his homework assignments. <laughs> I was thinking <clears throat> a little crab right along with that fish would be nice, too. Uh, you know, I you don't can... think they're crabbing. Yeah, yeah. Totally but, different uh, equipment. But mm. adding crab to your plate with a little <laughs> fish, <laughs> it would yeah, be nice. never yeah. a bad idea. Um, okay, it's... Uh, it's Saturday. It's nine twenty-two. Um, one of the one of the big things that we focus on during the week in our in our office, um, the reason the TVs are on every single day, uh, all hours of the day, is so that we can monitor what's going on with the ten-year bond yield, ten-year um, Treasury bond. It's it's the benchmark indicator of what's happening with mortgage thirty-year uh, fixed mortgage rates. <clears throat> the reason being is that the 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 10 year security best matches the duration, the, the average duration of a mortgage. Um, so that's why the two have, have been linked um, somewhat. There, there's some similarities in duration. Yeah, they seem to work in concert. I mean, they're not necessarily, I mean, the 10 year is not a mortgage backed security. So it's not directly tied. However, they do seem to move. It's similarly. a good indicator. It is it's, a very good it's indicator. A, it's a, Definitely a good indicator. You're right. It's it's not a mortgage. It's it's not a mortgage security. It's a it's a treasury um, bond. So it's a completely different instrument. But the, but duration wise, it matches. So it's it's seen as the benchmark um, indicator for where mortgage rates are going. Absolutely. And this week was was a big week for that ten year note. We've seen for the last six months the ten year treasury bond trading between two point five percent and two point eight percent. More recently, it's been at the lower end of that range, which means for those of you in in the consumer side of of things, that now is a good time to lock an interest rate. Yes, rates are at the lowest end of their six month trading range, so so now is good. You know, you would assume that when you're in that range, you're gonna you're gonna go up and down in that range. So when you're at the low end, now is when you want to act. <clears throat> this week, we saw that we saw that Treasury bond break down below the the support level if you will that 2.5 percent low end of the trading range and it actually busted through 2.4 we saw it in the two threes this yeah. week uh friday 
Yeah, and you know, it's it is a little bit odd. Um, the earnings reports and things that were coming out of the stock market were all, you know, relatively good. We saw good GDP numbers last week. Yep. Housing's been, you know, d depending on the report, up and down, but we kind of expect that, a little yeah, rocky I mean, recovery. It's not like anything was unbelievably great, but you'd have to think that some of the publicly traded, you know, corporations are a little undervalued at the moment, but... The market still seems to be moving, particularly with the bonds. Um, We're seeing job, jobs are great. Unemployment yeah. numbers are, are, you know, they continue to, to exceed expectations. So usually when we have all this positive economic data, there's pressure for rates to rise. Why are we seeing rates fall when there's positive economic news here? Um, it's the international news. Okay. You know, it, so it, what's going on? Well, you know, we just have a lot of uh, of war fronts going on. We've got the Russia, Russia situation going on. And it just seems to me like on Friday, take Friday, for instance. On Friday, you know, the market's down. We get a little bit of uh, a little bit of decent news on the international level. And then all of a sudden the stock market goes up. Generally, when the stock market goes up, the bond yields start to rise because they need to attract purchasers for bonds. But that's not what happened. We continued to see the bond yields drop as the market went up. And the only thing I can think of is this, is that there's money coming in from other countries that are doing worse. And it's coming into our stocks and it's coming into our bonds. While the people that are, you know, while the American markets and the American people were purchasing things on those that news as well. But it seems that... You know, if you have equities moving up at the same time that you have bond yields moving down, that there's just money coming here, period. Because generally, if people feel like things are going to go bad, they start to buy securities. When they start to buy securities, bond yields go up. When they feel that things are going to go good, they start to buy equities. The money leaves bonds. The bond yield has to rise in order to attract additional investors. And when you have them simultaneously going in a uh, in a direction where the yields are dropping and the stocks are also going up. It's just a flow of money into the market. But the thing that makes me a little bit nervous about it is that you start to think that some of those companies are undervalued. The money's not coming to them, and it makes you question whether they're going to continue to invest in economic improvement um, or hiring new people or expanding and things along those lines. And when all of a sudden we're free of some of this economic turmoil, what exactly is going to occur? You know, it makes you a little bit nervous. So I'm kind of with you. I think that here over the next couple of weeks, if you're thinking about doing something, it's really kind of time to jump. I, I would start to get a little nervous that when all of these things start to work themselves out and settle through, that things are going to kind of go on a little bit of a tear. Just a guess, but that's my guess. <clears throat> I agree. I think I think most economic experts believe that with the clear path we're on with quantitative easing, that that's due to expire um, in October, or, or the, you know Janet Yellen's going to have exited the quantitative easing program by October, end mm -hmm. of October this year, and then um, she's been pretty clear in some of her um, press conferences that roughly six months after the expiration or conclusion of the quantitative easing program that they will, she and, and the, the other Fed um, board members will begin to look at raising the Fed funds rate, yeah. which is currently at zero to a quarter percent. So that th those moves, the c 
conclusion of quantitative easing and the gradual increase in Fed funds will undoubtedly lead to higher interest rates at the consumer level with mortgages, with auto loans. Across the board, rates are going to go higher. On the positive side, hopefully your savings rate's going to go higher too for the money you keep in your bank account. Um, but all those rates are going to go higher. I mean, it, it could be... Any time, really. I, th I think the experts believe that any time now we should start to see this occur. So right now, while we're seeing rates actually dip and that 10-year Treasury bond actually dip, not just to a low point in the recent history, but we're, we're talking like an 18-month low yeah. in rates. But I how mean, long this is, is the, the geopolitical stuff really going to go on? And that's kind of the big variable that you don't know. So in, in your opinion, um, the move that we saw this week with respect to geopolitical concerns, it's clearly uh, the flight to safety type of trade. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you usually don't see a flight to safety into, into um, equities and stocks but you kind of did this week. Well, I, I feel like this is a pattern that we've grown a little bit accustomed to over the last five years. We've seen a lot of safety trades. Yeah. Um, but just because the US of the uncertainty. are considered safety, whether right. it's stocks or bonds, whether it's equities or securities. It just seems that for whatever reason, that is, you know, what, what people seem to think at the moment, which is good for us. And it's good for folks who are engaged in a real estate transaction right now Absolutely. because interest rates are at it at roughly an 18-month low. Um, it really, in my opinion, feels like the last the last opportunity to capture these these historically low rates. I I have to believe that sometime here in the third quarter, possibly early fourth quarter, we're going to start to see rates rise. The reason I believe that is I look back. A year ago, summertime a year ago, was when we first started talking about easing off the gas pedal with respect to quantitative easing. We started yeah. to talk about tapering. We weren't doing it. We were just talking about it. And overnight, uh, May or June of last year, we saw rates jump up a full percentage point. So now that we're, we know that the conclusion of quantitative easing is coming, we know that rate increases are coming um, it seems like the the market always kind of leads us in to, to these things that we know are going to happen. So shouldn't rates start to rise here any moment? Well, while I don't disagree with you, let me play devil's advocate a bit. The only thing that I would say that may offset that a tad would be the fact that Europe still seems to be struggling along. A lot of our trading partners really seem to be struggling along. That's a good point. You know, and then we have, you know, some other issues around the world that are obviously taking our our focus off of what's happening here and the market's definitely not a reflection of value at the moment which is what i guess i'm trying to say it's not a reflection of value so it's a little bit of a concern and it definitely appears that it's going to go that way when they talk about quantitative easing the one thing that i never really hear anybody address is the fact that yeah they're buying less and less securities but there's less and less securities being packaged as well. I mean, a lot of the refinance stuff, a lot of that action kind of slowed down, like you said, about a year ago when the rates bumped up by a point. So there's less of them. There's less for them to buy. There's less coming in the front and they're buying it in the back. So they're slowing down what they're buying in the back, but it's also not coming in the front door quite as quickly either. And somewhat curious why that really never seems to be addressed in... I mean, they do address the fact that it's slowing down, but in the quantitative easing conversation, it's never directly addressed in what they're buying and what they're not buying. 
you know, it's just, sure. it's somewhat, I mean, it's obviously I'm a little nerdy and academic, but I get what you're saying. I mean, thing, but, yeah, you know. the, the, the feds are here cutting back on their purchases, but also there's less to buy. So yeah, <laughs> you know, so well, if uh, they were still on the program of buying $85 billion a month, would there even be $85 billion a month to buy? No. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of where I'm trying to go. And I, sure. I, while they'll address the fact that certain things have slowed down, they don't address the effect of a it's lack not of hitting. Inventory. Yeah. It's not hitting the demand side as hard as you might think because there's less supply yeah, exactly. when it comes to these securities. Pre precisely. And you know, and like I said, they do address the fact that it's slowing down, but they don't address it directly with the effect of the purchases. And I'd like to hear somebody that's more intelligent than me address that at some point and actually make that part of the conversation. Well, I, and I hear what you're saying. And as long as we're playing devil's advocate, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate to my own statement too. I think another reason why um, rates might not rise as, as quickly as as some experts might think, is simply because of of housing and, and the pace of, of sales that's going on right now. Yeah. Housing isn't flourishing like we kind of think it's showing signs of. It's, sometimes it seems like it is mm -hmm. when there's frenzies of, of purchases, when, when 20 people show up to a new listing to, to make an offer. It feels like housing is flourishing. Yeah. Um, when we hear about price appreciation in the 20% range. It feels like, you know, it's, it's all roses when, when you're looking at housing, but the numbers aren't consistent from month to month. Um, the, the pace of sales is declining. Mm -hmm. The, the pace of appreciation is starting to decline. It's definitely slowed. Um, so if not stopped in some areas, right? Yeah, it, it really is. And, and a lot of it is attributed to lack of supply, um, lack of, of, of affordability yeah it's a, a lot of the supply crunch is in that lower to median you know home price range and and that seems to be a problem like you know i would tell you that at least personally on my personal desk that the loan amounts have gone way up which is great obviously the volume is not quite what it was but it seems that I don't want to say that people have kind of slowed looking, but they're not looking quite as hard as they used to in that range because there's not a lot of it available, you know. And then the other side of the coin I always think about is, you know, we got to kind of spark some new construction. We haven't built a lot in a long time. Now, every contractor that I know is busy, busy, busy right now building, um, but I don't know that it's happening quite quick enough and at that lower end or median end uh, the entry level needs to needs to ad be addressed we need more inventory in that entry level position or that even that middle range lower middle range position is kind of what i'm seeing but you know what's frustrating about that and maybe this is just a california phenomenon or a coastal Cali california phenomenon here mm -hmm. it seems like every new construction development whether it's a small couple unit project or something larger in scale the, the prices don't, nothing ever seems to be offered at entry level or what I would consider entry level. You know, new, new home developments here are always five and $600,000 starting price. That's not entry level. No, it's not. It, is it possible anymore to build a home on the California Pacific coast mm -hmm. for what's considered an entry level price? Yeah, I, I'm not really sure on the coast. I mean, the dirt's pretty expensive and it's kind of a limiting factor. I know in Paso that they have um, a few that are being built 
or that are supposed to be being built. And that's kind of the big thing. Like I, I know of one specifically that just happens to be across the street from a friend of mine's house. So I'm there fairly frequently. And they haven't even broken ground. And it seems like they've been doing this for two or three years. I mean, they've been having neighborhood meetings and 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 planning and they've changed what the the objective and the plan was a number of times and they're just really struggling even to you know i think they cleared the land and there it sits and it's been sitting there for quite some time so i don't know i don't know the answer it doesn't seem to be i understand what you're saying i mean i just think of you know an 1800 square foot home Mm -hmm. you know that's a good size home for you know four or five person family um if cost to construct here in this county is $150 a square foot, that's just to build that house is $270,000. No. Then I, then you have to factor in price of land, maybe maybe some of the amenities are maybe it's closer to $200 a square foot to construct that home and and you're talking 360 plus cost of land. I mean, now you're talking upwards of $400,000 for the price of that home without any real profit baked in for the builder um it's tough math it's really hard to to think that new homes can be built for the first time home buyer entry level buyer um outside of of the you know the the fresnos and bakersfields where land cost is a lot cheaper yeah but you know we we have to supply housing for a labor force otherwise you know we're going to be an area of retired people and college students but you know, and, and I think that there's even more difficulty or headwind when it comes to that. I mean, you look at the the properties or some of the bigger developments that were in the Tascadero over the last couple of years, and they they were forced to build what they called affordable housing. And the affordable units were the last units to sell. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the income was restricted and the prices were lower, but they still couldn't meet debt to income ratios on the loans that they needed and also meet the income restriction. And it's kind of a catch-22. Some of those things got caught in a catch-22. I do think that they finally got rid of a vast majority of those in the two developments that I'm thinking of. But literally, those were 18 to 24 months behind everything else. Mm -hmm. I mean, it definitely seemed to be a struggle for them to make the math work both on the loan side and the income restrictive side that they were they were trying to meet. It's it's a tough a tough deal. I mean, 2 plus 2 always does seem to equal 4, so it it it's kind of difficult to to make that math work out when the income has to be at a certain level. The price of the property even though it's uh I don't want to say subsidized. I don't think that that's correct, but lower. <laughs> you know what's funny is that's that's what I think about. I feel like that's the the complication with the affordable housing requirements and new development is that it's almost like the the units that are full priced or selling at market value are subsidizing the the the, the price of the affordable units. They kind of have to because the builders building, you know, and and the the cost of the land isn't any different for those units. The cost to construct isn't any different for those units. They just have to sell at a cheaper price because of restrictions restrictions so um that the the dollars have to be made up somewhere and does it create like a resentment within those little developments you know i don't know <laughs> i don't know but i know that you know on the loan side of things looking from that you know it, it definitely makes it more difficult to qualify those people and those numbers really haven't met where it's 
easy to get those things done because the pricing is still too high for the income that they're restricted to on the house. So I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. We're definitely in a little bit of a catch-22 when it comes to that. So um, where we're at here is is rates are at a great spot. Yes. We're debating whether or not rates are are going to go higher and and kind of how rapidly um and and we're making arguments here as to why they won't move up that rapidly because of some other market factors that that really beg rates to be where they are right now yeah but the reality is i believe the reality is they're undoubtedly going higher the thing that's questionable is how quick they're going to go higher how fast those things are going to move and how long some of the outside influences that are really not market related at all are, are going to keep those things down. And it definitely makes it more difficult to gauge. I mean, when you're looking at economic data and you're getting numbers on a daily basis, that's somewhat easy to analyze. When you're trying to speculate who's going to bomb who next <laughs> or, you know, what international bank is going to go under in some country that, uh, you know, pretty much has their daytime when I'm sleeping becomes quite a bit more difficult to know. So how do you take all that that uncertainty and that information that's out there, um, knowing how it affects the mortgage world and the real estate world, how do you apply that information to your day-to-day interactions with clients? Well, I try my best. I mean, obviously, like you said, we have a TV that runs you know, the whole time we're there. And uh, just try to pay attention to what's going on. And I've... I guess I've come to peace with the fact that I cannot tell more than two or three days, four days out in advance anymore. Um, it didn't used to be that way. It used to be you knew you had an economic report coming. Three or four days before it came out, you pretty much already knew what it was going to say. <laughs> you know, you kind of had a good gauge and, you know, you could think out two or three weeks, things along those lines. Now, I think really um, I try to keep people on alert about, you know, we need to stay in constant contact until you're locked. Um, you know, we need to analyze what you think uh, is going to happen over every, you know, next few days and make a plan on when we're going to secure your pricing. And I also want it to be their decision. Now, granted, obviously, a lot of people are going to rely on what you say just because it depends upon, you know, the type of person they are and what they're paying attention to. But Really, I, I think the, the window of speculation on what's going to happen is definitely shorter than what it used to be. And needing to constantly review the information that you have that's available is, is far more important anymore. It's not something that can go three or four days at a time. Um, but, I mean, the last few weeks until Friday kind of traded down, it's definitely moved in a, in a relatively tight range. You know, and that's the one thing I will say about this year that seems different than other years is when it does move and yeah, you'll have an occasional big move, but most of the time for, you know, a number of days in a row, it's trading in a relatively tight range for a while there, you were having wild swings on a daily basis. I mean, you could wake up and the bond yield could change by 20 basis points by noon, Right. you know, you're, you're not seeing that. So that's definitely a little yeah. easier to deal with. Yeah. There's a less, a lot less volatility now, but, um, yeah, the information cycle anymore is so fast, and oh yeah, and and so it, it it's interesting to see how it impacts our day to day business. I I can remember back when. Do you remember when when stocks used to trade in eighths? Yes, <laughs> prices were in eighths. Now they're by the the hundredth or thousandth of a decimal point. You know, everything's such an exact 
now, um, you know, no. Oh, yeah, everything used to move in an eighth. Now, no. Oh, it moved point zero zero three. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you remember the day when you showed up and you got a rate sheet a day and you might get a reprice, what, once every month and a half right. or so yeah. in the middle of the day? Totally. Now, now, I mean, we're, we get bombarded with rate sheets. Anytime someone sneezes on, on the treasury yield, the, you know, we're we're getting repriced by every single bank that we're doing business with, and and it's amazing how fast markets react to news. Yeah, and it, it and it impacts the customer um, almost immediately. It's it's amazing how fast that information leaks down, is applied. You know, yeah. economic changes are made, and then it hits the consumer right away. Do, do you think that the banks are working on a much tighter margin? Because I mean, really, you're looking at a two to three basis point move, and you're getting a reprice. That never used to be the case. I mean, literally two to three basis points, you know, and boom, you know, you're getting reprices from every single well, bank. Well, it's always faster when it's getting worse and slower when it's getting better. Well, yeah. <laughs> when I want it to, when I want the, when I want the boom change, it doesn't seem to happen as quickly. All right. It's uh, 9:45 here on August 9th. It's time for another commercial break. Um, we have about. 15 minutes left in this segment when we come back. And then after that, we're going to be joined by Alicia DeGrazia. She's a realtor up in Paso Robles with Remax Parkside. So we're going to get a little taste of what the Paso Robles market has to offer um, in the second hour of the show. Please stick with us. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. We recently made the jump to direct lender. That's right, now we can do your loan in-house, but we still broker too. We choose based on getting the best loan terms for you. We don't know what to call it yet, but you'll call it amazing. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. I, I love the colorful clothes you wear And the way the sunlight plays upon her head I hear the sound of a gentle all right welcome back to mortgage matters we're hoping you're feeling the good vibrations yeah, that was one of my first concerts ever was it yeah the beach boys you like the beach boys well you know oh, i was young yes, and they were there finally. in town this is the reason to get Jason out of here. That's right. <laughs> Someone who knows good music. <laughs> I just saw their concert in uh, Ventura. It was very good. Cool. Yes. Really good. Well, uh, going to completely switch gears here. There's a really cool story um, in a national report by Realty Track. Realty Track's a national data compiler of real estate type of data. Um, they ranked beach towns beach communities um you know as, as in order of rank, uh, rank. I, I don't know what they're doing they're just saying what their favorite beach towns are or something the best beach town based on some arbitrary criteria that they've derived um they didn't ask me they didn't ask either of us which just seems ridiculous but they went out and made up their own little rules and they came out with some report and Lo and behold, Los Osos and Morro Bay both made the list of top beach communities in the country. Los Osos ranked sixth, and Morro Bay was ranked 11th. And those, I believe, were the top California beach communities on this list. Nice. And they looked at things like median home price, public safety, um, average temperature, uh, num you know, percentage of days that are sunny um things like that air quality they're looking at that like quality of life type of of factors and los osos was the top ranked california beach community moro bay was the number two ranked california beach community number well, could, 11 overall i could see them all doing well with the exception of number of sunny days you know what's and i think this <laughs> this report actually dispels a myth about coastal fog here really um which i'm not trying to dispel because if Morro Bay is so foggy, you guys should just stay away. It's no good. You wouldn't like it. <laughs> stay Dan, away. Dan lives in Morro Bay. <laughs> but um, Los Osos was, uh, at least according to this, I mean, they're a data compiler. It's, these are facts. This isn't just their opinion. Um, it has an average temperature. Los Osos has an average temperature of 60 degrees with sunny days 78% of the time. I bet you didn't think it was that high. I would have bet differently. What would you have said? 40. <laughs> 40. Yep, see? <laughs> 40. See, that's right. If, if you don't live on the coast, don't even bother coming out. It's it's terrible. Yeah, I, I feel you that Dan like might have some hometown pride going on right now. <laughs> so I wanted to Just share this story. Bit. This is great. It Fuck. is a beautiful thing. Darn it, though. These national reports, they're just bringing too much exposure to our, our community here and People are going to come. That's the problem. Yeah. That yeah. is the problem. It's like, yeah, <laughs> we don't need Center that. Center for a great place to be or Oprah Winfrey, happiest, happiest place yeah. on earth or whatever it was. Yeah. It's like, uh, thanks. <laughs> stop yeah, telling everybody. Stop telling everybody. Yeah. Because yeah. we're not so happy anymore. <laughs> 
<laughs> Keep it our secret, right? Got, got the localism going on in here. <laughs> no, undoubtedly, it's going to bring some folks in, though. Big, uh, big second home communities. That's uh, this is the the action packed time of year out on the coast. This is when Cayucas, Morro Bay, Los Osos, um, Cambria, all those coastal communities really see um, heavy real estate activity this time of year because this is the time when families are on vacations. They're they're visiting places like the Central Coast and realizing that hey, this is a place that I could come on a regular basis and I want to buy a, a vacation home here. Well, what do you think kept Cayucas out of it? Price of homes. Yeah, it has to be price of homes. That's the only thing I can think. Yeah, I'd have to think that price of homes would be the only thing that could keep them off. So, yeah, and, and, and I think that's the case for a lot of the beach communities that, that we know all up and down the coast. I mean, there's a lot of great communities, but when, when you're starting to factor in things like um, median home price in, in that quality of life quotient there, yeah. that's... That's going to exclude a lot of the the great cities that that we know exist here in California. So a million dollar teardown, not helping <laughs> on the list. No. All right, gotcha. Gotcha. All right, gotcha. another the the one little bit of of economic news that came out this week. There was more than just this one, but this is the one that that I found to be the the most interesting. It's the weekly unemployment applications. Um, we're down to. 289,000. That's like two out of three weeks or below 300,000. Four-week moving average now is down to 293,000. This is incredible news for the, the jobs market that less and less people are being laid off. These numbers are consistent with a healthy economy. Um, so that's really great news on the employment front. It's, it seems to be getting better. It seems to be slowly getting better. The only negative stuff I ever hear these days is that the jobs are a lot of the jobs that are being added aren't necessarily full time. Yeah. And and right, and that and that's something that we've been talking about these last few weeks is that the quality may not be there, but we're reaching a level where less people are being laid off, more people are being hired, more positions are being offered. Um, it's a start at out least out there. So as we as we reach full employment, which is usually characterized by about a 5% unemployment rate, um, then I think we'll start to see those fully employed people will start to see quality improve a little bit. So it's this cycle, it's this evolution that's occurring and, and we're getting there. So that's that's my optimism speaking there. We've got a call. We've only got a few more minutes left in this hour before we're forced out. So let's um, jump to the phone lines here with Marilyn. Hi, Marilyn. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing very well. And rating Los Osos top, I bet they didn't mention anything about the sewer problem. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think part of their report, they just anticipated that it would be completed. Okay. <laughs> uh, my other question is, um, the Trib headlines yesterday about Cal Poly and New Hotel, uh -huh. if this comes to volition, how do you think that will affect San Luis. So the, I can hang up because you're coming up to a break. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for the question, Marilyn, and the call, and we'll uh, we'll discuss that here. Um, so there's been a lot of talk with Cal Poly. There's been talk about developing that um, grand Grand um, Avenue entrance to Cal Poly, creating some new dorm complexes, and and uh, I believe parking structure probably with it too. And now they're talking about a hotel. Um, I can't remember if it was on that end or the Highland end, but they're talking about a new hotel associated with Cal Poly. 
I personally feel like housing is so there's such a shortage of housing here mm-hmm. that it's really not going to have a huge impact other than just filling need that's under underserved. Um, I don't think we're going to see decline in, in values, decline in rental prices. I, I think there's such a need, overwhelming need for housing that it's just going to go towards satisfying a portion of the demand, not even all of it. A drop in the bucket, so to speak. Yeah, really, I do. I, I think that's that's what it's going to be. I'm a little bit of at a, at a disadvantage. I'm not really sure you know, what they're planning to build, but I definitely know that there's a huge demand. I mean, what is it? Still about 800 bucks a room right now? No, the going rate now for rentals in San Luis Obispo City, Yeah, uh, we're talking upwards of $1,000 a room. Ooh. Um, so, and yeah. those are for your, your three and four bedroom places. When you get down into those studio units or one bedroom units, mm-hmm. um, those will actually demand a little bit more per bedroom. Well, that makes sense. Um, and then because of the, the high prices in San Luis and the lack of supply, that demand is pushing out into the coastal communities and into Atascadero and into South County. And the rental rates there are starting to increase um, pretty significantly as well. I know in Morro Bay, it seems like a three bedroom home. Uh, you can't find it for less than $2,000 um, per month. So we're talking $700 a bedroom there. And I've heard similar uh, rental rates in, in those South County, North County, neighboring communities. So yeah, the, the the rental prices have definitely gone up. But San Luis, with the college, you know, when they start renting them out by the room, it start to get expensive, even more so than anywhere else. I would say to a to a more magnified degree, at least. Well, and it seems like every year the enrollment rates at schools in general, not just Cal Poly, but Cal Poly for, for sure is included in that. The the enrollment rates just continue to go up every year. Oh, yeah. You know, schools are businesses, too, and they're just they're growing and growing and, and, you know, adding more students and and they need to live somewhere. So that's impacting demand here. So I I really don't think those, um, you know, proposed dorms or hotels or anything like that's really going to have a huge impact on local real estate. I I really don't. I I agree. I I don't think that they're going to build enough. I'll tell you this, though, in in Paso. The rents are going way up, and I have to feel that it's somewhat due to the amount of money that the vacation rentals have started, you know, making. There's there's more and more people renting out property as vacation rental because they can get a higher rate, um, yeah. Than you know, just a regular rental, and the regular rentals are demanding more money in order to you know somewhat attract owners into that because the vacation rental thing is obviously a lot more work than getting somebody set up in the house that's going to stay for a number of years. But those prices on those houses have also gone way up, you know, and that's without the effect of the the school. Agreed. Um, let's see here. We're about 30 seconds away from getting forced out into the top of the hour break. Ah, 30 seconds was uh, not even close. Um, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Alicia DeGrazia. She's a realtor with Remax Parkside up in Paso Robles. We hope you stick with us. We'll be back in about three minutes. Go get a fresh cup of coffee. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. All right, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. It's 10.05. We're on to the second hour already. That's right. If you are just tuning in because you still think we're from, uh, we're, we're doing our show from 10 to noon, where have you been? 
we're we're now broadcasting from nine to eleven. Um, so now we've got three straight hours on Saturday morning of local live talk radio, uh, beginning at eight a.m. with Motor Mouths. Um, our show is now starting at nine, and we're we're done at eleven. What's after us? What's doing that eleven o'clock hour now? I'm not sure exactly. I we, we haven't really figured it out. There's temporary stuff there, I think. Right okay, now. but uh, I think actually we had a big uh, picnic the other day. And uh, one of our salespeople was talking about maybe somebody else is interested in it, I think. So cool. We might have. That would be great. We might have four solid hours uh, of uh, local music talk. to my ears. There we are. So, I love it. Yeah. It's a good way to start a Saturday. Um, so we're back. Will and I are back. And uh, we're joined live in the studio uh, by a realtor from North County. She uh, makes her. Work home at Remax Parkside in Paso Robles. Uh, Alicia DeGrazia, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, I know it's your first time on the radio, so we're gonna go easy on you. Um, no, uh, no off the wall questions. A little baptism by fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually how we like to treat our guests. Now we want you to walk away with feeling good, so we're gonna we're gonna lobby some softballs today i appreciate that <laughs> um so alicia just uh why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself this is my first time meeting you actually i know you know will um but i've I, we've never met so um why don't you tell me and the listeners just a little bit about your background are you born and raised on the central coast how'd you get into real estate just fill us in on that kind of stuff um i'm originally from northern california i came down from um the small town of willits in mendocino county and i went to cal poly and um, when I finished Cal Poly, that's when I got my real estate license. I graduated and um, got my license in the same week, actually. Oh, cool. So I've been around for about 10 years. I started in San Luis Obispo um, for a few years and then just was showing more property in North County and, and made my home up there. So um, I really enjoy the agriculture properties um, up there and, and the people. So Okay, so you, as you were progressing through school did you know that you wanted to become a real estate agent not really <laughs> but you just started working on the right. license at the same time right i did and um i was actually wanted to be an appraiser and so i figured i would start with sales and, and see if i liked the industry before i put all the hours into into getting my appraiser's license so did you ever pursue appraisal at all i'm actually taking the test this month are you <laughs> wow um it's interesting that you say that, that. I'm reaching down to grab a little article. There's a, um, I found it somewhere. Maybe it's not in this article, but the number of appraisers has declined substantially over the last five years as there's been all this reform in the appraisal industry. So, yeah, I was um, going to say, I wonder why. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot of changes in appraisal, um, but it, there's a need for, for quality people. You know, a lot of people think that the whole computer valuation models, the Zillows and the Trulias of the world that they're going to take yeah. over and there's not even going to be a need for appraisers. Yeah. But there's a human component to appraisal that that's underappreciated, I think. Yeah. Well, the thing that with Zillow and Trulia is what they do is they take your house and they say, okay, a mile or two mile radius, and then they take an average of everything. So it doesn't account for condition. It doesn't account for a lot size. So if you have a half an acre how lot with your neighbors having an acre or two acres your house is going to be really overvalued 
on those appraisal models versus when you get someone that knows the market and gets in there and and really tells you what your house is worth compared to compared uh, compared to just the general information. Did you guys know that Zillow bought Trulia? Yeah, I saw that. There no longer is two. There's only one. It's one big online giant for home values. And now, I mean, they're really trying to get into the real estate market. They're trying to be a listing, Mm -hmm. a a driver of listings and sales. Right. I saw yesterday that they have, um, Trulia has a coming now thing. So if you're one of their preferred agents, you can put your listings on their website before they hit the market. Oh, really? Huh. Do you, as a realtor, do you use um, any of the services provided by Zillow or Trulia to market yourself or your listings? I don't pay extra for them. Um, They auto-populate from the MLS. Um, I just tested this month boosting my, making my listings featured on Trulia to see if that made any difference because it wasn't that expensive. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot of that stuff, some agents get a really great response from it and others not so much. So, yeah. Well, it'd be interesting to see how it works for you. Cause I do see a lot of people who, at least from what it looks like when I view the, the webpage, it mm-hmm. looks like they, they put some money into the advertising side of those websites because they're at the top, they've got all their rating stars are maxed out and all that. And I'm yeah. sure that's a function of how much they spend per month. Yeah, some, some of it that they do have, um, they just started a year or so ago on Trulia where you can ask for reviews and stuff as agents when you close a deal and that's, they don't charge for that. But now they, they recently added the review part and they do charge for them to review. And if you have, um, clients that left a, left a review, but didn't do the star rating because it was, wasn't available, then that reflects negatively on the agent right now. Huh. So hopefully mm. they'll change that because it's. Mm. The one thing I'll say is it very well may work well for marketing. I put very little weight in the value, the valuation system. Yeah, the value needs work. I, I think one of the biggest flaws in, in that is, you know, as we said human element, but it's hard to quantify like the desirability of a, of a little community of a, of a couple blocks, you know, sometimes just a couple of blocks can be perceived as much more desirable than, than two blocks over. You know, it, it's funny how that works. You see it a lot in really any community. I, I look at the coastal communities from block to block. You can see, you know, homes that really have that pride of ownership. And then, you know, one block away, that just looks like yeah. totally dilapidated and, and less desirable. And it's pretty tough for a co- to program a computer matrix that can take those things into account nationally. That would be a massive amount of information. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's impossible, because I don't know computers well enough to say it's impossible, <laughs> but it seems like it would be relatively difficult. As a, as a realtor, do you see those online type of listing services through Zillow? Um, do you see those as com- competing with you um yes and no i mean you you definitely your buyers and sellers are more informed than they were 10 years ago um the they still have to call an agent to get into the house but also if you're doing like a for sale by owner that there's an avenue to get your property out there where you don't have to pay an agent to so that is competing you know but as far as buyers 
Um, you know, they still need a little bit of help, but who knows over the next 10 years, it's gotten, it's changed so much in the past 10 years. So we'll see what the next 10 years brings for us. Yeah. I, I just, you know, there's been some debate about whether or not Zillow is going to replace real estate agents. You know, is there still going to be a place for them? And like, I mean, Zillow's not going to let you into the house and there's no way I'm letting, you know, putting out a lockbox code to the, the internet for yeah, someone to just exactly. walk through without right. a professional guiding them. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know what I always think of? I think of, you know, like TurboTax and things along those lines. And yeah, there's a certain percentage of people that do that and that use those programs. But when it comes to complicated contracts and things, a lot of people just aren't going to do it on their own. I mean... I, I understand that we're moving that way in society. I've gone to the grocery store and been able to check myself out. I don't like that very much, but you know, I know that things are moving that way, but I think with the real estate contract, particularly in California, as difficult as they are, I'm somewhat hesitant to say that, you know, that's really going to take over. Like, yeah, it may get a percentage of the market. It may become a portion of the player. I don't know. Just taking a guess. Well, I think until some of those online sites address their data quality um, issues a little bit more, that the, some of the stuff, like you said, the value, don't put a lot of stock in it. No. Even some of the listing data isn't always the most up-to-date or accurate. Some properties that are on the market don't show that way on Zillow. Some properties that have already been sold are still showing as you know just listings on Zillow. So there, there's a flaw that I'm sure they're aware of it and they're going to be working on it. It's going to take, once they start to solve that part of their, um, you know, they're just where they're lacking a little bit with their data. Um, once they start to solve that, then I see them as a real threat to, to some of the more traditional marketing efforts, but, um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you're right. It's still kind of in the infancy of, of those, that type of marketing for real estate. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I do see a lot of a lot of the younger buyers who come on on the loan side, they're so comfortable filling out loan applications online and communicating yeah. solely by email. I mean, it's amazing how many transactions will complete without ever seeing the people. Right. They're so right. comfortable with it, especially the younger generation. And likewise, with, with searching for homes and starting their search, they're so comfortable just doing it online. They already know where they want to be before they even call the agent to, to see the house. So that's, that's definitely, and same thing They they want to text you. They want to email you. They yeah. don't want that phone conversation unless they have a question. Yeah. If you have to explain a contract and even now we're going to the e-signatures to where, you know, if I have a, a client on the other side of the country, I can do my contract all in one day. Whereas before you'd have to fax it to them and then fax it to the other agent and all over. No, but it, and the benefit to that is you can still read the contract when you have an executed contract. Before you had five different versions because you needed everyone's signature and and the signature with everyone you couldn't read because it's been faxed so many yeah, times. Yeah, the quality just degrades with every every transmission. So maybe my perspective is because I'm old. Uh, that definitely, <laughs> yeah, I'll agree. I'll agree to that. Uh, <laughs> hey, um, we're here with Alicia DeGrazia. She's a realtor up in Paso Robles with Remax Parkside. Alicia, how can um, folks get a hold of you? Um, they can always call my office. Um, my direct line is 805-591-5216. Or, um, like I said, email um, uh, Alicia DeGrazia at Remax.net um, is a great email. Um, I'm still working on my website, but uh, I have a temporary one at, at movingtoslow.com. Movingtoslow.com. Mm -hmm. That's a good website. Thanks. 
Um, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, but we, when we come back, we're going to have a lot more with Alicia and Will. And uh, we're going to talk more about real estate and uh, see what's going on more um, up in the North County there. So stick with us. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you buy your next home. We promise to close on time, on budget, with no surprises. Give Central Coast Lending a call today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back. It's Mortgage Matters. It's 1019. Talking a little bit of real estate with Alicia DeGrazia from REMAX Parkside. If you want to squeeze in a question or comment, we'd love to hear from you. You can call 543-8830, 543-8830 to ask a question on or off the air. Um, so, Alicia, tell us a little bit about what the the sales climate is like in, in Paso Robles? Are, are things picking up, slowing down? Um, what's going on in, in the North County? It's kind of an odd market right now because typically your lower end first time home buyer price ranges are move pretty quickly and they're not moving as quickly as they were say a year ago. There's inventory in that? There's a little bit range? of inventory in that. Um, hmm. 
And uh, but the the step up market where where you're going from selling your first home to buying your your maybe dream home or one between your dream home that's kind of heating up a little bit and you're seeing more people having to sell to buy, um, which is good. We we need those sales to to recover in the market. Um, so your your kind of four and five and six hundred price range is actually doing okay right now. Um, and then the higher end, um, there's some, some movement, not too much, but some of those are selling too. So, um, it'll be interesting to see what the, what between now and Christmas brings for the lower end market. Cause a lot of people want to get moved in before Christmas. Right. Hmm. What, um, when, when people are, when they're in that step up buyer mode and, and they're needing to sell a home and buy a home, are, are they writing offers that are contingent upon the sale of their home or? Yes. That's yeah. generally what they're doing? Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you think brought that on? Why all of a sudden do you think that those people are selling out of those properties and looking to step up? Well, I think the past two years we've had some appreciation, so they needed a little, they have a little bit of equity, and it's a good, it's still a great time to buy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and last year the market was so hot, you know, you were getting multiple offers, and now we're not seeing that, so they have a little bit of negotiating room on the one they're stepping up to. So they're saving gotcha. a little bit of here, and they made a little bit over there, so they're able to to make it work. So it's more of a balancing type mm -hmm. of situation, because right. I mean, at, at one point in the recent past, the appreciation was a little bit more rapid than now. So right. it's just kind of curious, you know. But that being said, when you're looking to buy a higher priced house, that appreciation affects you more than the one you're selling. So, you know, the ratios it makes sense that it's kind of a balance at this point. Right. Um. There was uh, some interesting news with respect to the, you know, what categories of homes are selling that um, jumbo mortgages, loans between a million and $10 million have reached for the second quarter, reached their highest level of origination ever. Um, so the jumbo loan market is really, um, has really come alive. I think some of that's pent up demand from lack of jumbo financing being available, but it's also... Um, suggesting a little bit of what's selling out there. We're seeing more of that high-end selling, um, and we're seeing it selling with financing, which is kind of interesting. Uh, we've seen a lot of these, at least for the last four years or so, it seems like a lot of the high-end properties, as you know, not a lot of them have been moving, but the ones that have been moving seem to be that cash. they were moving more with cash, mm -hmm. and now they're moving more with financing. Right. I think the, the higher end, those people are seeing that it's, it's so cheap to borrow money right now. So you might as well pull that million dollar loan on that $2 million property and, and leave some money in the bank to remodel or do whatever you need to do. Yeah. You know, it, it, I've noticed that over the last few months and it's somewhat unique that right now the jumbo money stuff is at the same price as the conforming stuff. The rates are the same. The rebates are, are pretty similar. And I wonder if a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, that money's more affordable or if it's just due to time in the market. I don't know. Yeah, I've. it is interesting that there's so little of a, a spread between, you know, the rate on a conforming 30-year loan, which is, you know, any loan amount less than 417000 um, and a jumbo loan. Usually there's more like a, a half a point to a full percentage point difference in rate. And right now we're talking like an eighth of a point in rate difference. It's almost identical, um, which is really fascinating. It's 
Yeah, the only I'm not outlier, sure why that is either. I have no idea, but the only outlier is that high balance conforming range seems to have, be a bit higher than the jumbo loans or the conforming loans. But yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of an interesting thing. And I, I don't know if that information's getting to those people that are buying the higher end houses or if there's something else driving it, but it definitely seems to be more jumbo loan, you know, action going on right now than I've ever seen before. Yeah, I know across the board in in our business, we're seeing loan amounts really jump up. It's it's quite amazing. I mean, the number of six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollar loans that are coming through right now, when traditionally our, our average loan amount is 275,000. It's been so consistent for three or four years at that mark. Yeah. Um, and now all of a sudden we're seeing this big jump. So I think it's really interesting. I, what we've noticed, and I'm kind of hearing a little bit of a different story from you as far as the low end, we've noticed there's very little of the, the entry level stuff. So that's partly why we're seeing higher loan amounts because there's just not the lower end stuff transacting. But it's nice to know that there's some of that stuff coming back onto the market now. There's opportunities for folks to buy you know, a first time home buyer or a young family to, to buy and get into this market where so many people feel like they're priced out. Well, and I think that's part of the, the appreciation that we had over the last two years. It jumped up so much. And I think the, the buyers for the first time homes are still there. I think what they're seeing is, wow, I could have bought that home for 250 three years ago and now it's 350. I don't want to pay that. So they're waiting for the right price for the right house. So I mm. think that's why you're seeing a little bit more come onto the market because last year you had 10 people wanting that same house and it didn't matter what they had to pay for it. And this year it's just more, no, I, I don't want this for this price. I want it for... Do do buyers think that that maybe it's poised for a decline in value after after such a big increase? Is that a concern that's that's maybe keeping them back? Possibly. I mean, I haven't hear, heard anybody say that, but it definitely seems that way. You know, and maybe it's just the short-term perspective. You know, when, when rates went from, you know, the low threes to the low fours, even though the low fours are really great and historically are at a really good level, it definitely slowed down loan activity, even in the refinance market. And I'm wondering if seeing the houses jump 20% in equity or 20% in value in a short period of time, just, you know, they've got short-term perspective-itis. I just made up that word, by the way. Um, I'm just curious if that has anything to do with it. Um, or maybe it's, you know, restrictions on DTI and things along those lines or programs starting to go away. I'm not real sure. But be interesting to, to see how it plays out. Um, I wanted to switch gears just a little bit. I know water is such a big issue all around the county, all around the state. Let's just call it what it is. All around the country, water's an issue. It's probably going to be an issue going forward for forever. Um, a lot of people, we use water for a lot of things, and there's you know, not this infinite supply like we seem to think there is sometimes. Right. Um, there's been a lot of news. Was it earlier this year? There's a big write-up in the Tribune, couple-day write-up about water issues in Paso. Is that impacting real estate? I think it's impacting the homes on acres. Um, certainly you have a lot more buyers who are wanting to see the well reports and see the original well log before they even make the offer, before they even see, because they want to know if water is going to be an issue and if it's going to be an issue and if they're going to have to drill a well two years after they move in, they don't want that house, um, which completely understandable. 
um, a lot of the houses, when they started building like in 98, 99, 2000, they started going deeper on those wells anyway. Um, so those are, are already at, say, six or 700 feet, whereas when they built the house in the 1980s, your well might only be two or 300 feet deep. So um, those are the ones that are having to, to re-drill. Are the, is it expensive to drill for a well? I... It is. They, they charge you per foot. So, and I haven't had to deal with one in a couple of years, but the last one I had to have done on a property, it was 25 or $30 a foot that they have to go down. Wow. And that doesn't, you know, connect it to the house. You still have to pay to have them connect it to, to the house and the electricity, but, but that's just to drill the hole. I know that, um, just from what I've seen, um, it seems like well issues have come up a lot more with North County sales whether it's just well reports or well tests or, you know, I've, I've never in what, 12 or 13 years now in, in this business seen so much talk and chatter and, you know, requirements related to wells before. And now it just seems to be a real hot issue. And, um, yeah, I'm just, you know, I, I know that water issues or sewer issues have affected the coastal communities so much. And, and now we're, we're hearing about water issues in Paso or the, is there a building moratorium, or am I? Um, there's not that one up? at this time. Okay, but there's talk about maybe. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I know um, other communities have the building moratorium, like over in Cayu uh, Cambria. Um, it's def definitely difficult. Um, in Templeton, it was really hard to get water meters, so it wasn't a moratorium so much as well. If you don't have a meter, you can't build. So, um, but when they brought the Nasimena Water Project online, I heard they released some water meters um, then so a few more people were able to have that opportunity but there's also a lot of people that bought them and, and held on to the right so they might not want to build today but they held on to the right to build later in the future mm -hmm. yeah you know it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting time because I mean you look at North County and grapes and the agriculture are obviously a big profit center you know and it brings in the tourists which is another huge profit center and, you know, you're, you've got uh, two ends. It's pretty much going to be a tug of war, you know, because there's going to need there's a need, particularly now after not building for the last five years for housing. Um, but the reason there's a need for housing is because of the industry that is affected by the water. So it's another quagmire catch 22 situation. I mean, they need those industries to continue to be able to function. I mean, that's what brings the tourist dollars into town. That's one of the major industries in the wine that they sell. Um, you know, there's a lot of alfalfa and other stuff that is, is grown out there. And on the other hand, people need a place to live, you know, and you need to have the water for that. And which one outweighs the other or what's the balance going to be it's it's going to be somewhat difficult and i kind of feel that it's probably going to get a little bit i don't know, don't really know the word to use but i think that there's going to be some anger i think that people are going to start to argue and there's going to start to be a lot of hard feelings around the issue and we'll see unless of course it rains which would be brilliant <laughs> You know, it is an El Nino year, so hopefully yeah, that I just, happens. I saw just yesterday that they're thinking that the the rains that were supposed to come with El Nino, they're they're less likely to happen than they originally thought. Great. So yeah, that wasn't welcome news. So you had mentioned, Alicia, that you're um, particularly interested in the acreage type of properties um, with your business. Yeah. 
I got to believe that the water issues have a greater impact on those acreage properties than just say, a, you know, more of a neighborhood type home on a, on a smaller lot. Right, right. They um, certainly. And so you each property that you go in, both at the listing side, you have that conversation with the seller. How's your well? We need to get the reports. We need to get the documentation. And then when you have that buyer, you're also going in and saying, before we get too far with looking at the property, we need to know what the water's like. So you definitely have that having that conversation a lot earlier than, you know, say five or six years ago when you're like, okay, well, let's go see if we like it. And then if we like it, then we'll talk about it. Um, and, and you have a lot of, of people, you know, cause, um, looking at the area. So, so the West side, you're, um, you get a little more rainfall than the East side. So a lot of people, and it's a little cooler. So there's a lot of parks to being on the West side, but water is also a challenge there too, in, in certain areas. Um, but your East side, you, you have more of your, your bigger producing wells, but you get less rain. So you can't plan on that. So it's. You really have to evaluate what you want and what you're going to need for that land. If you're if you're just buying to be out on land and have a couple horses, it's completely different than if you're if you're planning on buying a vineyard. If you're planning on buying a vineyard, you you're not going to want to get something that you're going to need to develop. You're you're really on something that's already in place. Even if you have to replant, um, because the way the um, water ordinances that the county put in place is if you already are planted then that's grandfathered in that area because you're already technically using that amount of water so now um you can replant and maintain what you have versus if you buy a bare piece of land who knows what's going to happen with the future but you might not be able to put that vineyard that you want to put as a as a real estate agent and in the North County, do you have to be an expert on well tests and wells and water issues? I mean, is that like a secondary requirement to do your job? Almost. You got to know <laughs> the right people because remember, we're not an expert in anything. Right. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I don't know that as a consumer, I would know the first thing about what to even look for in a well report. Sure, I want there to be water and yeah. there to likely be water for the foreseeable future. That's all I would really know to look for. And I don't even know if that's part of the report. It is. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Gallons per minute is definitely part. I also want it to be clear, not brown. Yeah. Clear water? That's, clear water is good. Sounds nice. Just yeah. That's a nice feature. Yeah, in yeah. fact, I bet you could even add that in your listing um, description. That's probably pretty important to people. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, okay. So do you have any, are you listing any um, acreage type properties that fit what we've been describing at all? I do. I have one right now that's out um, off of Geneseo Road that um, that's on a well, and it's um, it's actually a nice little piece. Um, it's got a, a about a 1,500 square foot house um, sits back on the knoll, so you have a little bit of a steep driveway to get up to the house, but you don't have to maintain the full. Uh, you, you don't have to landscape the full acre. There's a there's a, a hillside there, so. You know, if you're wanting to be out in the country and have the country lifestyle, but you don't want to have to maintain a whole acre, um, that's a that's a really wonderful property. What's the list price on that? It's three hundred and thirty thousand. And what's the square footage of the home? Uh, about fifteen hundred. Okay. So it's a nice that's place. Six. It was it's a newer. It was built in two thousand one. So it has, um, as far as I know, it has the deeper well, um, and they haven't had any problems. And and it's got a really nice view over the the valley. You can see 
the tops of your neighbors and then you just look out to the countryside. So is there a lot of interest in the property? Um, yeah, we've had a fair amount of showings. Yeah. Cool. That's <laughs> so I don't know if you were listening earlier, but we were talking a little bit um, last week. We discussed price per square foot in this county and then other areas around the country as well. And just, you know, noticing the differences and we had kind of landed on 300 dollars per square foot is it's kind of an entry-level home in the central coast but that actually sounds more like 150 dollars a square foot uh, that seems like a pretty good price per square foot for this right. area right and y you'll see that on some of the ones the houses on acres because it it averages the the land into the price per square foot so you, it depends on there's a lot of variables there but that goes back to our our valuation on um zillow and stuff like that the, the price per square foot for your land, same thing, doesn't take into account how much land you have. So, Yeah, we always get frustrated on the lending side. You probably do too. You've seen appraisals um, that they don't, appraisals never value the land accurately. Um, you know, when you're, when you're trying to find comparable properties for, for something that's on acreage and, you know, you have a five acre lot for your subject property and then all the comps are on two and a half acre lots they'll they'll make an adjustment of oh you know about twenty five thousand dollars because that's all two and a half acres is worth around here right yeah. <laughs> 25 grand sound about right um yeah it's so frustrating to see that that's how they value it on appraisal it just doesn't make any sense to me but that's what we deal with yeah a lot of it's location too i mean the further you get away from town the less the acreage starts to be worth worth but it definitely seems to be a lacking adjustment in many ten thousand dollars yeah, an acre come I'm on with you <laughs> don't get me wrong i'm not trying to discount out what you said but yeah it does seem to be a, a lacking area in that uh, in the appraisals our guest today is alicia de grazia she's a realtor with remax parkside in paso robles um her office line if you want to get a hold of her during the week is 805-591-5216 website is moves moving to moving, moving to, to slow.com slow. moving to slow.com um, we're gonna take our last break of the show and we'll be back with more with alicia don't go anywhere keep it locked to mortgage matters on kvec news talk 920 to ask a question call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832 we'll be back in just a few minutes for those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. 
through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Here we are, back for the home stretch of Mortgage Matters. It's awfully quiet out there in Radio Land. If you want to squeeze in a, a call, we'll, we have a little bit of time. 543-8830. If you don't want to call, that's cool. We'll keep talking. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, we were hitting on water issues in Paso and how it's affecting real estate. Um, we talked a lot about acreage properties and the aspiring viticulturist who you know wants to get in on that growing trend. Um, but there's also lake lakes, or there used to be lakes up there once long ago. I heard um, they're a fraction of what they once were. That's got to be impacting the the lakeside properties, right? Yeah, I think the activity is down um, out out at the, on the lake properties, um, and usually the summertime. If you're selling a lake property, you want to make sure that gets on the market um, right around Memorial Day and make sure it's sold by Labor Day because that's your your t the time when all the tourists are coming up and looking at vacation homes and enjoying the lake. Um, it's been pretty quiet out there um, on the lake property. Certainly there's still people buying, um, especially in Heritage Ranch, um, just because it's cheaper to buy there and it's not a bad commute into town. Um, and so if, if you love the lake, then, then it's a great time to buy out there. Um, I'm not too sure what's happening on the north side of the lake at Oak Shores. I haven't had too many calls on those. But, um, but it just seems like it's, the activity is down. Uh, less people are visiting because there's less of a lake. Are we seeing price declines on listings because of that, because of the lack of activity? Yeah, it's, it's definitely softer out there than, than in town. Um, I mean, you can still buy a... A small house for around 250 um, you know it might be only a two-bedroom but in town that same house is going to be 300 yeah and you got to keep in mind that uh, they've added a lot of major infrastructure out there like there's a really nice supermarket out there there's a school out there now too right yeah there's yeah. a elementary school and I've heard whispers of them trying to put in a restaurant next to the um, the shopping the store Oh, nice. So I don't nice. know if they've done that yet. But. You know, it, it just seems like they've really, you know, dressed that area up lately. But the fact that the lake has turned into a kind of pond, 
might have, you know, something to do with the fact that, uh, that people aren't there. I've seen pictures lately of, um, San Antonio, the satellite image type type of picture. No, they were just pictures taken by people. And I don't know if it was a perspective thing. Like they just had, you know, they went to a certain area that made it look so bad because I haven't been out there. I don't know. It's probably been eight, nine months or something like that, but it looked like a Creek. Like I'm trying not to exaggerate. And maybe the picture again was of, you know, just a certain angle, but I think I could have jumped it. <laughs> uh, you know, it was pretty bad. I, have you been out there lately? Is it that bad? Or is I haven't it just... been out there, but I think the last time I saw a water level for San Antonio, it was still only like 5% and that was in May. So it, it doesn't look good. 5%. So when you're saying you could jump it, you're talking about like a running jump, not like a evil Knievel motorcycle ramp kind of jump. No, the picture that I saw, I think I could jump on foot. Wow. And I don't jump great. And I got to believe if, if a lot of the buyers for those lakeside homes are, are people looking for vacation home, they want some recreation. And um, when the lake's not there, there's not a lot to recreate on. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're into like dirt bikes and stuff, you can bust yeah. those out all of a sudden. Or if you're one of those metal detector guys, it's probably a really good time <laughs> to go out there. <laughs> you know, I saw I saw one of the lakes up near, was it Fresno or China Peak? What's that lake? Uh, Shaver? Is that yeah, the lake, yeah, yeah. right? I was driving by there one time on the way to go uh, snowboard with my kid, and uh, they had drained that link intentionally, and it was one of the weirdest things I'd ever seen. It was a very strange thing to see as you drove by. They were under, you know, underwater trees that were just covered in junk, and it just had all drained out. So I don't know. Maybe I need to take a, a, a cruise out to San Antonio. I know that that's way worse off than Nacimiento, but I'd really like to kind of see that myself because that was a relatively large lake, and... 5% is not a whole lot of water. No, no. And it's funny because there's some of the locals that um, that live around Nasa that'll go to San Antonio on the big weekends because all the tourists go to Nas, and, um, and they can't do that now. So no. just, some of them just aren't even going out on the lake because why, why unpack your boat for a weekend to be <laughs> on a crowded 18% public? Yeah. <laughs> It, it, there's some friends of mine that have a, uh, their family has a uh, lake house out at uh, Oak Shores. And I've watched it over the last couple of years. Like this has been going on for a bit. Like I know it's really started hitting the news now, but they had a retaining wall up near their property and they had a rope swing, right? And I don't know, four years ago or so I went there and the retaining wall dropped down and then there's about a hundred you know, a hundred yards, about a football field before you actually got to the little inlet part of the lake where they had their dock and their boat and everything. And I'm thinking, you know, they used to swing off of this rope swing into the lake and this wall used to stop the lake from eating at their property. And then it was like a hundred yards, but it lasted for a while. And every year that inlet kind of got smaller. Now that inlet doesn't exist. That dock is sitting on dirt. Like it's literally sitting on dirt and Nacimiento is way, way better off than, uh, than San Antonio, but it's definitely getting, it's definitely gotten bad. And it's been something that's been going on for a longer period of time than it's been getting news. Is that scary for property owners out there? I mean, is there worry that we're never going to have a lake anymore? And, you know, I don't think they're worried that they're not going to have a lake. I think they're, they're worried because technically that water is owned by Monterey County. And that's the irrigation water for the farmers in Monterey County. So the, the fear is that Monterey County is going to need that water and have to use it. 
and um, and so there won't be as much to to play on, basically. I mean, in reality, it's going to be full again. It's going to come back, and you know this this too will pass. But but it's certainly. So in addition to being a well and water expert, you also have to be up to up to speed on on Monterey water policies so that you can advise your clients appropriately when they're looking at lakeside property now. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> you have to know a lot to yeah. sell real estate in Paso Robles. <laughs> Jack of all trades, <laughs> yeah. wearing many hats. Like the, uh, the Jamaicans from uh, Saturday Night Live in the 80s. Hey, we have a caller waiting on the line. Let's jump over to the phone lines. We've got Clay calling from Paso Robles. Welcome to the show, Clay. Hey, hi. Um, I'm out in Geneseo, east uh, in North County, out of Paso Robles, and um, my driller said that there's an absolute moratorium on drilling new wells on property, which in effect would be a moratorium on building new residences, I believe. Is that correct? It seems like it. Um, they're, they're just... With the water ordinance that's in place as of right now, it's definitely more difficult to drill wells. Um, it's the way I understand it, and I hope I'm right, um, is that you have to be almost out of water, and the well driller has to write the letter to the county asking, telling them that you're almost out of water um, to get the new well. And they're still backed up. I mean, the, the well drillers are doing a lot more paperwork to get those permits to drill those wells, um, than they did before. And so there's a backlog there. Um, um, what he told me was that actually, if you have a residence and your, and your well is going dry, that it's much easier to get the permit to to sink the well deeper or to put a new one on your property. I don't know if there's a difference there, but he said, you know, getting it modified, getting it upgraded so you can continue with water at your residence is actually a lot easier than it used to be. Uh, the permitting is really quick like that. They don't want people to go out. But what I'm more interested in is being able to, um, the situation where you buy a piece of property, and then, of course, you need a well on it in order to build a residence yeah, there. Right. But for new residences, I believe that's completely shut off. Am I correct? Well, as of right now, during the more during the um, while the water ordinance is in effect, but that's um, the future of that is up to the county supervisors. Yeah. So hopefully well, short lived. But in new construction, I, I so. But currently, that's the way. It yeah. Is. Currently, I don't think I think you're going to really struggle to be able to build a new property in in the Passerables Water Basin area. Right. right. Just that's what he told me it was completely shut off. And yeah. for the moment, that's locked up for now a year or two before the next scheduled. The uh, way I understand the ordinance is that they had to do it initially for 45 days, I think, and they can extend it up to two years total. Um, okay. But at that two-year mark, they have to make a decision what way they're going to go. They can't extend it longer than two years. But they, they haven't yet extended it for a two-year period, correct, or am I Not wrong? Not that I know of. I, I don't think so either. But, yeah, I think that you're definitely going to have some difficulty. Like if you wanted to start breaking ground today and drilling yeah. a new well, I think you're going to struggle. Yeah. I think you're going to yeah, struggle in that area. completely shut off. Yeah. Okay. The thing that's a little bit, though, that's, I don't want to say odd, but the thing that I really don't know is exactly what areas are in the water basin. I mean, I've heard that's some areas that ask. are not what? necessarily. Geneseo is absolutely in right. the water basin. Well, I do the, know that. the great thing is, is if you want to know, 
you can go. The county has, um, on the San Luis Obispo planning and building website, they have a GIS map um, link where you can go type in your address and your APN number. And it's it's not very user-friendly, but um, there's an area <laughs> to select an option to look and see if you're in the water basin. This is on the county That's, website? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's okay. On the county, San Luis Obispo County planning and building it's the GIS map or uh, permit info. Yeah. And um, and you can look at that up. And I'll tell you, it's well worth your while if you're going to go to that website and use that information to find your APN. Your, yeah. ad your address isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah. <And laughs> the APN will, though. Your APN's on your, um, on your tax bill that you yeah. should have just received. Yeah. I really have no idea why, but the APN is a much better search mechanism for that website. And they do have quite a bit of information. I've actually seen that. Yes. Thanks for well, your, your call today, Clay. We do appreciate you listening and calling in. Um, great question. Thank you for the show. All right. We appreciate you listening. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, it's I mean, it sounds like water really is a huge issue up in Paso when when we're talking about real estate. The two really go hand in hand. Right. Um and it's probably going to be that way forever, really. I mean, water is always going to be a concern, whether we have it or not. You know, when right. we have it, we need to plan for when we don't. Right. And uh, try to prevent problems like this from happening as much as we can. Right. Well, it's, you know, and long-term changes and long-term trends are definitely a problem. I mean, even in Texas and as far over as Texas, I've heard of it. And certain areas are, you know, the weather patterns are just either changing or going through a slightly different cycle at the moment. And it seems to be hanging in there with us. Like I was saying, I, I honestly, I've been able to visually watch it for a number of years at this point. It's not something that the news is relatively recent, but it's been going on for quite some time up there anyway. So if I'm a first time home buyer and I'm, and I want to live in the North County, where, where should I be looking? Where would you take a first time home buyer to look for real estate? Well, personally, I love Paso. So Paso okay. or Templeton are, are my first two choices. Um, Atascadero is great as well. Um, but Paso Robles, the downtown, there's always so much going on. Um, and you can still buy a, a, a great house there. Um, but all of my first-time home buyers, and this is the biggest um, challenge we see in real estate, is if you're wanting to buy a home, you have to go get pre-qualified pre first. As a seller, they're not going to look at your offer until you until you get that letter from your lender saying this is what you're pre-qualified for, because they want to know um, that you're you you've already talked to your lender <laughs> and have been on that path. But um, but there's some certainly some great neighborhoods that are available in in Paso Robles, um, Templeton, there's definitely a shortage of homes there. Um, and everything that is available does sell pretty quickly. So, um, but P Paso. Yeah. Paso is where you want to be. Paso is where you okay. want to be. Okay. Yeah. I, I actually have heard, you know, I, I read the paper every day. There's letters to the editor and, and editorials about how much Atascadero could benefit from creating that downtown kind of atmosphere around the park like Paso has done so successfully. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it would really enhance the, the Atascadero downtown. The commercial area of, of Atascadero is on one major road, which makes it feel like a bigger town. Paso has really done a huge, a great job in creating that downtown area. I mean, I, I was a military brat, so I've grown up everywhere, moved all over the place. I've never stayed anywhere for very long. Paso has been the place I've been the longest. 
And I remember moving there and it being like the sidewalks rolled up at about nine o'clock. I think the Jack in the Box on Spring Street <laughs> was the thing that stayed, only thing that stayed open after like eight or nine. And, you know, Boosie's downtown was open, but not very, very few things stayed open. And now you go downtown Paso and it, there's a lot of stuff going along. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of tourists. Every weekend there's things happening in the park. Like Paso's done a really, really good job of promoting itself and changing itself. And a lot of it started, in my opinion, that I started to notice, a lot of it started happening after the earthquake. And when they had to start rebuilding things, they seemed to really change their focus. And Well, it really forced them to rethink what that downtown could be. Yeah, and it's just turned into such a nice area that seems to attract people and there's just constantly stuff going on. I don't know who did it or who was responsible for any of that stuff, but good job. They did really seem to do well. Um, now, I see a lot of first-time homebuyers looking in Atascadero. Is that just because there's more available there, or is is it, there some other draw? It also depends on where they work. I mean, if, you're, if you work in San Luis, then you're definitely going to want to be in Atascadero because that's so much closer. It cuts, you know, 15 minutes off your drive time every day. Um, and a lot of people want Santa Margarita. There's just same with Templeton. There's just not the inventory there. Is that because of schools? Um, and the small town, it's a cute small town. It's a really easy commute to San Luis. It's just a small, it's a really good community. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, but there's certainly a lot of, a lot of places in Atascadero for the first time home buyer. There's some good deals there too right now. Um, it's just, um. It seems like some of those houses are a little more dated than the than the ones in Paso, and I'm not sure why that is. So they, and they command a little bit stronger price, and I think that's because of the proximity to San Luis Obispo. So a house that you can buy for 300 in in Paso, you might pay 325 or 330 in Atascadero. Really, I would have kind of expected the opposite, just because Paso's got that wine country thing going for it. And it seems like the food, you know, the the quality right. of the restaurants and things like that's really improved over the last, you know, yeah. five or ten years. And I it almost seems more like a destination, whereas Atascadero seems more like the locals kind of place, you know, where people raise families and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. It's Paso's definitely more of a destination as far as tourists are concerned. Right. I see Atascadero and it might just be my outsider looking in not growing up here, but I see Atascadero as a, a really a bedroom community for San Luis. Yeah. And then you, you have a lot of people that live there because they work at Ash too. And I mean, that that's a huge employer, but it, you know, all your teachers and stuff that. Sure. Yeah. We're running out of time on the show. We've got less than a minute. Alicia, thank you so much for taking time out of your Saturday to join us here Thanks and for having talk me. about North County real estate. How can folks get a hold of you if they uh, are interested in buying or selling? My office line is 805-591-5216. You can always go to my website, which is under construction right now, but it's um, movingtoslow.com. Great. Thank you again so much. Um, if you're needing to get pre-qualified because you're out looking for a home, that's what we do at Central Coast Lending. You can go to our website, centralcoastlending.com. There's a lot of resources there. You can apply online or give us a call during the week. The phone number to all of our offices is one easy number, 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. We'll see you next week on Mortgage Matters.